Today for, for, for me is, and my family is a very, very special day because today marks us being at Landmark Church for 20 years. It was 20 years ago on this, the third Sunday of September, that we drove our big white Oldsmobile station wagon into this parking lot. That's how we looked. You guys look very different. We just still look the exact same. But that, that, was, um, that was a special, special time for us. And today, uh, to mark that, I want to go back and preach the first sermon I preached in that September, September the 15th, 1996. And uh, so what we're doing today is we're starting back 20 years ago, and now I've got 20 years of sermons. We'll just... Wouldn't that be nice? No, I don't think we'll do that. But just for today, let me show you the cassette tape of that day. I want to make sure you could see that because I figured you guys would assume it was an eight track. But it was actually a cassette tape. And I did what I hate to do is listen to myself. And I went back and I I listened to it a couple weeks ago. And it just reminded me of that amazing new beginning we had back then and what, what God was doing. And we went to the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you have your Bible or your phone, open up to that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we went there because Paul describes the church at Thessalonica in chapter 1 as being the model church. This is the way your church ought to look like. And in chapter 2, Paul described what his ministry looked like. Because he was under criticism, and he wanted to respond to his critics and say, This is the way that we do it. So let's go back to that chapter, and let's read the first 13 verses together. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the pill we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we're speaking as one approved by God, entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for children, so we care for you because we loved you so much. I love how expressive Paul was. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are our witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. And we also thank God continually because you've received the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. I love that passage. And there were five points we made that morning. 
that I want to reaffirm this morning about the kind of church that we want to be. Point one was, let's be biblical. Paul says, I shared the word of God, and you accepted it, not as a word from me, but as from God. On that morning in 1996, we said, biblical, a biblical mentality is essential in an aimless world. Little did we know on that day how aimless our world would be in 20 years. But we did assert that what we need is the foundation of the very Word of God. Now, friends, if you have grown up in this restoration movement we're part of, the, the greatest part of our movement is a high view of Scripture and an affirmation that our authority and standard comes from God's Word. Now, many of us who have grown up in this, though, have seen the Word of God taken out of context. We call that proof text. Well, you might run to, to one verse to prove what you want to prove, take it out of context to make your point. And that's dangerous. And we've tried to avoid that the last 20 years. In fact, the first message series that we did was from the book of Galatians because we wanted to establish the gospel of grace. Galatians is a book where Paul says, you're not saved by your own performance. You're not saved by your own knowledge. You're saved by putting your faith in what Jesus has done for you. Many of us have grown up feeling we had to be saved because we got everything right or believed everything right. Galatians stands as an affront to that kind of belief. And my friends, here's the cool deal. Once we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, then it gives us the freedom to explore God's word all over again. Because we can explore it with the confidence that I'm not saved because I get it all right. And from that, that foundation, we have studied in this room a great percentage of the books of the New Testament. Because I've always believed the best preaching is when you preach straight through a book. It keeps a preacher honest. And even when you're preaching a topical message like this, I think it's much better to go to one text so you don't take verses out of context. And because of that, we've had the freedom to open the Word of God and explore many subjects, not always agree on them, whether it's grace or worship or marriage and divorce and remarriage or the Holy Spirit or spiritual gifts. We've had the freedom knowing that we can study the Bible on our own, to open scriptures and do that. And in the midst of that is a rock bed commitment to Jesus Christ to run this church and his word to be the authority. Today has been a very emotional and touching day for me. Just seeing Brother Tommy welding up here a few moments ago. He was one of those original elders. I love that man. He shepherded my soul. He still shepherds my soul. And those early elders were so brave and courageous. Brother Dick Thompson, I can always remember the Sunday when he stood up here, when we were in the middle of controversy, and he announced to the church, as your elders, it is no longer our goal to please you. It is now our goal, one and only goal, is to please God. And that's the way we're going to make decisions. And so it was a commitment to the Word of God we said up front 20 years ago, our commitment is not to our tradition. Tradition's okay. Tradition's just a certain way of doing things. How many of you grew up in a church where you had three songs of prayer, a song, the Lord's Supper, a song, the message, a song, the closing prayer? How many of you experienced that? Was that okay? Sure. It's just tradition. 
But, but what is not okay, what is wrong, is you ever been in one of those churches where you changed the order and people got upset? Raise your hand. Yes. That's when our tradition begins to be on an equal plane with the Word of God. So our commitment is not to be traditional. We'll, I remember the elders saying to me, buddy, if it will help us reach more people for Jesus Christ, and we've got to break a few of our traditions to do that and make us uncomfortable, we will do that. We're going to be biblical, but we're not necessarily going to be a traditional church of Christ. Number two, our point was, let's be positive. Paul says, I shared with you the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news. We wanted to establish that what we were sharing with people was not condemnation, but salvation. Jesus himself said, I have not come to condemn the world. I've come to save it. How sad that too often the body of Christ has been known more for a message of condemnation than a message of salvation. And so we decided that's not who we're going to be. We're going we're to share this good news that you're not saved because you can perform perfectly or understand perfectly. You're saved because what Jesus did on that cross and what was empowered to us through his resurrection. And on that basis, we had something to share. We wanted our children to grow up in a church where they were hearing good news because we saw too many of our kids leave church because they knew they couldn't live up to a standard that was impossible. I asked my children the week of that sermon a question that had been asked in a survey in that day. Someone had surveyed Christian people and asked them this question. If you could sit face to face with God, what do you think God would say to you? And this is so sad. Number one answer God would be angry with me. Number two answer, God would express disappointment. Number three answer was, he wouldn't even speak to me. And so in the midst of that, we said, we got to have good news. So I asked my kids that week, if Jesus could sit down and talk to you, what do you think he'd say to you? I was listening to those answers on that cassette tape. Laura said, Dad, I think Jesus would say to me, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. Lindsay said, that I think Jesus would say to me, I'm so excited about the church you're part of. Luke said, I think Jesus would say to me, I'm so proud of you that you can ride your bike without training wheels. <laughs> That's pretty good. And of course, if you remember Lincoln in that day, all he did was scream, and you'd feed him goldfish to keep him calm, all right? But I'm so thankful for 20 years, my, my children have been able to grow up in a church where that is the message, where they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if everything else in life fails, then everybody else in their life fails, that God loves them. That's the positive message that we have, and it's all based on Jesus. Hence, what was born years later that reflected that's our mission statement is very simple. It's to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's good news. Number three was, let's be compassionate. Paul says, when I was with you, I was like a nursing mother. I was nurturing. I was loving. I was taking care of you. It is so important that as the people of God, that when people walk in these doors, that they are accepted where they are. You see, the cool thing about Jesus is Jesus immediately connected with people, not because they had it together. He connected even better with the people who didn't have it together. And on that Sunday 20 years ago, here's a statement that was made. Anybody, anybody, anybody 
better be able to walk in those doors back there and be accepted. And we mean that for those of you who walked in here today. I remember a point we made in that message where we said, we want people to walk in here and be able to find someone to connect with this like them. So whether they walk in here with a suit and tie or a blue jeans and t-shirt, we want it all to be acceptable. Little did I know how far you guys would take it. <laughs> and nobody wears a coat and tie. Maybe we ought to restore a little bit of that for some of the folks who walk in. What we were trying to say there is we want someone to connect with someone. Because that was the heart of this church way before I ever got here. Landmark was the church that launched out to start what was then known as inner city ministry, Compassion 21, that says we want to go in the worst parts of our city and reach out to people. And over the last 20 years, this compassionate ministry has been born out in, in things like RSVP, probably the most effective ministry among us, helping people overcome addictions, in divorce recovery, in a pathway group, helping people to overcome the homosexual lifestyle, in the single moms group, in people ministering to each other who've been through those divorce, who've been depressed, in a wonderful prison ministry that affects so many, and a beautiful ministry to the least of these, the widows and orphans among us. Hence our vision statement as a church. We want to be a community where the love of Christ is communicated to people struggling with life's issues. Because we've all got them. And I'm telling you, what has blessed me more than anything is I have witnessed that vision fulfilled over and over. I wish I could, I wish I could just stand up here today and tell you stories of people. But one is heavy on my heart this morning. This past Friday in this building, we had the memorial service for Richard Young. Richard grew up in our city in a very rough area. Richard's mom died at a young age. Dad was not a very good dad. And Richard had many problems. And then as Richard grew old, older, he made a lot of really bad choices and did some really awful things and ended up incarcerated a great period of his life. And then Richard came to this church where many churches would have probably told him he wasn't welcome. And you became his family. And you fulfilled the promise of Jesus that if you will leave all for me, I will give you a hundred times more fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. As we gathered Friday, I could see the Don Rhodes that had been the father figure. I could see the brothers and sisters like the Kevin Thrashes and the Priscilla Thrashes. I could see the mothers like Sable Marzella. I could see those people who gathered, who had changed that man's life. And the most beautiful thing I heard talking to people about Richard, I love what Brother Tarot said to me. He said, what I can say about Richard Young is he finished life strong. And guys, many of us have screwed up along the way. But the goal is we be a compassionate people that help each other finish strong. And you have done that. Number four, our challenge was let's be relevant Paul's saying to that church at Thessalonica, what I'm trying to do is take the Word of God so that it's at work in you. I want to connect it in such a way that it changes your life. You see, that was Paul's philosophy of ministry. You can also see that in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9 where Paul says, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. What are you saying, Paul? I'm saying the message is eternal and unchanging. 
the methods, the styles, the approaches are ever-changing. So in 1996, I warned you that the church cannot look like the church of the 1950s. And we knew that. And we were experiencing that. And we made lots of changes in those moments to be different and to connect with the culture around us. And I want to remind us today that the church in 2016 cannot look like the church in 1996. What drew me to ever move to this church was a group of shepherds. There were four of them in that day. Don Terod, Tommy Weldon, Dick Thompson, and a man named Philip Young. And Landmark had been through some tough times. They built this building, and the church was shrinking. And these four men were so tired of fighting about petty things. They said to me, we want to do what it takes to reach lost people. And we know that we're going to have to change, and we even know we're going to be uncomfortable, but we're ready to be uncomfortable so lost people aren't uncomfortable. And those men were true to their word when they could have easily changed their mind as they lost their friends for this church to be what it is today. And so that day we began to make those changes. Many of you lived through those, even in worship, the funny changes, like from psalm books to I can remember the day where we had to bring an overhead and an overhead projector out here on stage before the service officially began to sing. And then we invested to reconfigure this whole place up here for two screens. And now we've got three screens and more lights than you ever dreamed were on the face of the earth. (laughs) Why? Because we want to be relevant. I don't understand everything even about this. My generation, I'd rather the windows be open. But I'm telling you, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about how do we connect to people. And people build buildings today without windows because you lose yourself in worship like you've been doing over this last hour. And we're committed to keep making those changes. I remember a a woman that was a member here that was extremely traditional. Many of you are old enough in Churches of Christ can remember the day when Churches of Christ did not celebrate Christmas. And so celebrating Christmas was pretty big. I can remember the first time we put some Christmas trees in the foyer was a major brouhaha. And then when we moved them up here to the stage, now you're talking really progressive. And this woman, I know, used to rip off Christmas pictures from Sunday school rooms. And so she stayed, though. When a lot of other people left, she stayed. And one day I had the opportunity to talk to her. And I said, Sister, I said, I'm glad that you're here. I'm surprised that you're still here. I know you don't like a lot of the things we're doing. And she said, yes, buddy, you're absolutely right. I'm so uncomfortable with so many of these changes that are going on in this church. Well, sister, why are you staying? She said, let me tell you this. I've dreamed all my life of being a part of a church where souls were being saved. And souls are being saved in this church. And I cannot leave. You see, guys, the commitment is not for us to come in here and do what I like or you like or what makes you comfortable or me comfortable. The issue here is for us to be on a mission that's bigger than us and us to take this ancient message and continue to do everything we can to connect it and make it relevant in the world that we live in. 
And then there was one more thing we said that day. Let's be weak. That was a weird one. W-E-A-K. And listening to the tape, it even surprised me that that was there. Let's be weak. But the, the, the message we gave was, back from Thessalonians, that those people were undergoing suffering and that God could use it. And over from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where, where Paul talks about his own weakness that God wouldn't take away. And he said, I've been made strong by the grace of God. And then he closes that section out by saying, in my weakness, that's where God is strong. You see, I believed a long time that our weakness was weakness. God believes your weakness is strength. I believed for a long time that God could use me despite my weaknesses. I've discovered the last 20 years, God can use me and you because of our weaknesses. And that's why this church became an extremely open place. If you're new with us, we talk a lot about this front row. We talk about what happens on this front row. Lots of churches have done away with this front row because nothing ever happens. We couldn't do away with it because so much happens. And it became a very open place. I can remember the Sunday when everything changed. A young man, that day anyway, named Clay Sharp, came before this church, and he was the first person to confess he was addicted to pornography. And I remember announcing that. It was different than anything we'd ever had confessed before. Wasn't that generic confession. It was so specific. And then I felt God move in my heart to do something I'd never done before. We've done it dozens of times afterwards. I said, you know, Clay's really put his heart on the line here. He's sitting here on this front row all by himself. If any of you in this audience have, by the grace of God, been, over, have been able to overcome an addiction to pornography, would you stand up right now and come sit with him? I thought I'd finally walked over the edge. It was like silence. And then seven men, many of them leaders in this church, came and surrounded him. And we declared on that Sunday that nobody would ever sit on this front row by themselves again. And so on this front row, we've seen everything confess to struggle with marijuana, to struggle with your marriage. We've seen everything from pornography confessed to addiction to cocaine. We've seen everything to, I don't know how to raise my children, to I'm way overcommitted to baseball confessed on this front row. We've seen everybody from first-time guests show up here by the Spirit of God on this front row to your elders and, yes, your preacher. Because God established a place that was safe and a church that says it's okay to be weak. In fact, it's, it's better than okay. It's the greatest opportunity God will ever have to work powerfully in your life. And so this morning, if you are with us today and you come in here and your life is broken and you are weak, I want to say to you something I know about this church. And if anybody ever asked me what's the best thing about Landmark, it's this openness and honesty. It's the lack of religious pretense. It's the place that says you could tell us anything and we will love you and we'll help you. So if you've come here today and you are broken and you are weak, you've come to the right place. But way beyond coming to the right place, You have come to the right God. What he's not okay with you is covering it up because he knows about it. 
What he is okay with you is being honest about it. So, well, look back on that sermon. I don't think I've got the gift of prophecy. But I do believe that message was prophetic. That we're a church, that we're going to be biblical. We're going to be full of good news. We're going to be positive. We're going to be compassionate because we all got problems. We're going to get out of our comfort zone so we can be relevant and connect with people because we're on a mission. And yes, we're going to be weak so that we can help each other. And so that when people walk in this building, not only will it bless me to come forward, but it will bless them to go, you know, as one lady said to me on the phone probably 15 years ago after a, a morning of great open confession, she said, I didn't want to come to your church. I hadn't been to church in 20 years. But after hearing what I heard on the front row, I think I might could make it in this church. And you could. So today's challenge is what Paul will say in the book of Thessalonians. We urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. These foundational principles of these five things never change. But we are called upon to do it over and over and over again. So my prayer this morning is that this can be a new beginning for us. I don't know about you, but, but I feel it. I feel a sense of renewal in this church I've not felt in years I was praying with a brother this week, and, and he put in words that, that just resonated with me. He said, Lord, would you make Landmark feel like a brand new church? That's what I'm ready for. How about you? How about you? Wouldn't that be awesome? God is so good. This morning, you may need him. We're about to sing about that as the praise team comes up. And if you come here in weakness, I hope you know from what I've said, this front row is for you. We're not going to make you come down here. But if you need to come down here and you need some prayers today, if you need God in your life. You know, I look back on what's happened these past 20 years. I, I absolutely can take no credit for myself because I'm a very weak man who has too many days where if it was up to me, I might quit. I give the elders I talked about a few moments ago a a great amount of credit because they were courageous men of their word. But who I really glorify this morning is a God who could use someone as weak as me and who could change a church like this to be a church like this. He deserves all the glory and praise. If you need to come to him, come right now while we stand and sing.